0: Today's episode is brought to you by WHOOP, the world's most powerful, wearable, health and
1: fitness coach. Throughout the Giro Italia, WHOOP is partnering with the EF Education First Easy Post Pro Cycling Team and VeloN to give cycling fans a behind-the-scenes look of what riders' life heart rates are during the race and everything off the bike, including what recovery and sleep data look like over the course of a grand tour.
0: Whoop isn't just for professionals though. Whether you're an avid cyclist or just getting started, Whoop is there to help you understand your body better. It's not just another fitness tracker. It measures loads of metrics and vital signs, including heart rate variability, resting heart rate, daily activity, and a full breakdown of your sleep.
1: Whoop takes all that data and provides you with personalized recommendations and feedback so that you can accomplish your own goals, from being more active to sleeping better. Know when you should go big and when you should go for a light spin with Whoop.
0: And from my personal experience, the sleep tracker function for me is fantastic. I mean, when you're sleeping, you're sleeping. You don't really know what's going on but in the morning when you can go back and look at how much REM sleep how much deep sleep how much time you spent awake and then get an overall recovery score from that it can definitely set you on the right path during the day
1: and they just released their all new 4.0 it's even smaller and smarter designed with biometric tracking including skin temperature blood oxygen and more So go to whoop.com,
0: that's w-h-o-o-p.com, and enter the code Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y, all uppercase, at checkout to save 15% today.
2: Our coach thought his watch was broken because we were going so fast, but it was the truth. And this was the first time I realized, wow, we can do a world record.
0: That's right, folks, you heard her. Here we go. National European World and Olympic champion as well as world record holder in the team pursuit. Lisa Brenauer joins us today on Bobby and Jens. Okay, everyone. Well, we've been trying for months and we have finally succeeded in finding a time that works out for all parties concerned to speak to our amazing guest today. Lisa Brennauer, welcome to the show. <laughs>
2: Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. So, super nice that this worked out.
0: Uh, you are not our first German guest and it's always funny when you know Jens has to speak English to another German guest, but... Um, we're gonna, we're gonna get through it. So Lisa, listen, I mean, there's so many places to start here, but like one of the real reasons why I was so excited to have you on earlier in the year was just to get a fresh perspective and a take, you know, your personal take on such an amazing season that you had last year. You were like the Energizer bunny you know, going from race to race, track to road, to track to road. Along the way, you won many races, many, many titles. Um, German title, European title, Olympic title, world title. So let's start off by just talking about what, what really set up such a successful 2021 season i know it always starts you know it's always like a roll-on kind of cumulative effect of the years prior but did you do anything different in that winter of you know basically the when the pandemic hit 2020 and that 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 really set you up for such a successful season in 2021
2: wow i think that's a question that i can't just answer uh super easy Um, but, um, well, I think it's best to start at a point where, um, I wasn't quite sure if I still wanted to go to the Olympics and if, um, it was a a goal I wanted to set, um, to the point where I was all in to go to the Olympic games and win a medal there. And, um, I, um, had this fire back in my belly to fight for victories and, um, yeah, somewhere in all this, um, approaching this big goal, I um, came across uh, Daniel Healey, who's my coach um, now. So um, going into to the actual Olympic year, I decided to change coaches, which was a quite big step because um, normally it's you work with someone together for such a long time and you start to know each other super well. And but I met him and I spoke to him a couple of times and um, he's the husband of a um, yeah a friend of mine, close friend of mine. So um, I really wanted to start working with him, and um, we started working I think in December and worked through the whole winter with this big goal of winning a medal at the Olympics. And then suddenly the pandemic came and all. Um, Yeah, my dreams and the big goal got shifted far, far away for um, another year. But somehow, um, after a week, when I told him, you know what, I I just don't want to see my bike. I want to see nothing. I truly have to find out what I really want. um, I realized that this would be just another year of time of working with him, trying to get the best out of me together with him and um so I think it's one of the key things that um yeah that somehow um came across work working with him changed um or maybe got even more out of myself than I even thought that was inside and um so that was definitely a a very big point um the main point that I changed um, someone in those, yeah, the last year approaching to the Olympic Games here. Yeah.
1: So now you have me curious because he made you into a, such a stable rider who could perform for a very long time at the highest level and changing from the road to the track and back. What did he change? Did he <laughs> took a different approach to your diet? Did you train more hours, less hours, more intensity, less intensity? Uh, did you go to the gym? What what did he change to make you such a good or to guarantee you such a good season?
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, like coaches in general, they are on a really high level than everybody, like, I don't want to even say that my coach before was like, he was a good coach too, you know? Like he he um, did build me up to such a high level, and when Daniel took me over, he already got me on a super high level, and then it was I think the fine tuning that uh, worked out super well. Jim um, is definitely a big point. So before that, and that's actually how I got talking. Um, I got into talking to him because. I really love uh, work in the gym, but I always um, gained so much weight, and I'm I'm not a super skinny rider, so I can't afford any extra kilo. Just because I, um, uh, whenever I walk past a gym, I, <laughs> I already put on muscles. So um, um, and I told this to him when we were walking around the lake here in the Algoy area, and he said, "Oh wow, that sounds strange to me because I think." Um, you just maybe do it not the correct way. So I want to try something. I I could teach you something. And gym was definitely a key part of that, that I started doing again and I haven't done in years before. So that was definitely one part. And I think when you start working with a new coach, you're also super enthusiastic as well as a rider and you want to do things perfect and you just want to show that, You're a good athlete. You want to do things more accurate, and change is something um, you have to dare to do. But for me, it often worked in a very positive way. So, I'm. I really want to say that um, my coach before was also a super good coach, and he got me already onto a high level. And then, um, you meet someone who knows how to find you in this, and this is what Daniel is for me, and the work we did together, and i I don't know if he also knew it was going to work out so well, but um, yeah, definitely he found some, um, yeah, some cool ways to trigger some things that I um, probably yeah, that probably made me better, plus the fact that during the pandemic time, you had actually, for the first time, I had time to work on some things particular you know to build to do a slow build on a a super nice base and he always said oh now we're just making your big motor even bigger and then we're gonna fine tune it so this was what he would always say and we had time to do this normally in the season you know how it is you go from race to race you race or you, you recover but there's not much time for a build so yeah
0: Interesting. Interesting. So do you think that extra year with Daniel really helped you? Or do you think you were ready if if the Olympics would have gone off on their original date? Do you think you were ready to do what you did in in twenty 2020, twenty uh, 2021 all the way back in 2020? Or did that extra year of working with Daniel and that extra year of, like you said, you're your building on top of your base and concentrating on specific stuff was... Uh, Worked out to your advantage. Um,
2: maybe um, physically, I would have been ready, and I'm pretty sure about this. But um, what I found out is that um, in this year, where it was first not so much about racing because there were no races, I learned so much about myself, about my body, but also about the my yeah my big strength of. of if I really, really want to achieve something so bad, then it's something I can do. And so this is how I work and this is how yeah, how I am and who I am. So I'm pretty strong mentally and it gave me lots of time to figure that out. And I think that's the big change. It was the mental part that um, also had time to grow and time to, yeah, to show also, to, to believe in myself and in the things I'm good at and what I can achieve in the races and as a cyclist in general. Sounds weird from someone with such a long career and already so many years in uh, cycling that sometimes things just need time to develop.
1: Well, I guess we're never too old to learn. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was really fascinated for, um, about the Olympics because I was also commentating on it, on, on German Eurosport, and so I watched it live. Um, when you and the other three girls or women were sitting in the plane flying to Tokyo, where did you see yourself sitting in the plane on the way to the Olympics? And when did you start to believe, we actually have a chance to win this or did you knew it all the way?
2: <laughs> no, I think um, we we didn't know so um, we came from pretty far back in the rankings um, when first time in the world championships 2000. 2000- 20, We won a bronze medal. We were f- somewhere, suddenly we were able to win a medal in the team pursuit. Um, but we had no idea how it would go one and a half years later because there were no races. So we had no idea. Plus we had some um, uh, personal issues with one rider of us. She, she got sick and she couldn't come with us to the Olympics. So we were not even our usual squad let's say so hmm. there were those four girls um, going to, to the Olympics and we knew we were fast but we had no idea what this would mean and um, Lisa Klein and me we also did the road events time trial and the road race so we met the other two girls pretty late um, just I think three days before the actual race But I always followed their training times and I saw that they were going super fast. So I thought, oh, wow, I mean, Lisa and me, we are also in a good shape. So maybe we can go really fast. And we met them for track training in Tokyo. And in one particular training, we set such a fast time on a four kilometer flying effort that all the coaches in the velodrome would start clocking our times and would go watch us and our coach thought his watch was broken because we were going so fast. But it was the truth. And this was the first time I realized, wow, we can do a, a world record. Whatever that will mean, whatever it will bring us. But for me, it would be this dream of reading the words um, of new world record um, yeah, on top of the, the villa drum. So I, I said to the girls the day before the race, Ah, you know what? For me, let's just go out and do a world record because it's my dream. I once in the life I want to see new world record shining all over the track like I saw with other riders always. And then it's already great. You know, then what what can go wrong from then? Then we have achieved something. Then we we have done our best and whatever wherever it will bring us. So this is how we approach the race. We weren't thinking that we can become olympic champions we wanted to set a new world record and then um yeah from then on you know what happened we didn't only set one world record but three in a row and it was for us um yeah a little bit crazy too actually
0: not only crazy but then to get that uh, olympic gold medal on top of that 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 that's amazing because i i it was gonna be one of my questions because i saw that you did both the road events but like to do that and then to meet your teammates and do the final preparation only a couple days before and then have such amazing success it's it it must have been a juggling act to say the least because you've ridden for for many many big teams and i'm going to need your help with the pronunciation of your current team because i want to give them credit because we uh, you know we and our listeners sometimes forget that you have trade tra- trade team obligations and they have their kind of program. And then when you get together for the track, it's always a national team. So it's different coaches, different objectives, different priorities. So please tell me, most importantly, I'm sure most of our listeners know how to pronounce it, but tell us how you pronounce <laughs> your team and tell us a little bit about your sponsor on the road.
2: So my team is called Zeratazit WNT, Pro Cycling Team. And um, Zeratazit is, um, yeah, a a cutting tool um, company. So, um, yeah, they're producing and selling cutting tools uh, for the big um, drilling machines and tooling machines. And, um, yeah, we are 16... Riders um in our roster and um, um actually a quite, yeah mixed team from all over the world I would say and um, yeah I would say that me and my teammates we especially approaching the Olympic Games we were pretty lucky that we had the freedom to also work on our goals on the track. And it was not only me, but also like Kirsten Wild from the Netherlands and Julie Leth from Denmark, and some of us, um, yeah, had also their big dreams on on the track, and we got really great support in choosing the, yeah, the race schedule in a way that would support the goals for the track um, as well, but still uh, fulfilling our commitments for the road team and. I think it's a big question of um, um, making a a good plan together um, so that everybody's on the same page and that they're not, um, yeah, too many uncertain things. And I think then that's something you can do as a team and as a rider if the focus is right. So I'm very happy for the support we get there and um, yeah, I got in the past years. Uh, from them, because it's never just, yeah, it's never just the rider. It's always the team behind. And in my case, it was a huge part of my success in the last years.
1: Now we talked so much about the good and easy things in life and success. But um, earlier this year, you had Corona, is that correct?
2: Yeah, and you uh, you
1: missed one of your biggest races, right? How was that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was really, really hard for me. Um, um, One main target of the spring campaign was um, Paris-Roubaix. I've been fourth there last year in our first ever edition. And you can only imagine how much I wanted to be on the podium this year. So um, I've been on a good way and preparing um, well. But yeah... I mean, it's a story that hits us, someone uh, all, I think, and a lot of riders in the peloton. So I, I had Corona, and so I had to skip Paris Roubaix. It was really not easy for me. Um, such a big dream, such a great race, um, and one of my favorites. So, yeah, I I missed it, and actually, I I still struggle a bit to come back. I'm. I have still some headache, um, so I have to be very careful with training at the moment. I did all the medical checks, of course, and everything is fine, but there is still this headache that um, yeah, keeps me away from racing at the moment, and I don't like it so much.
0: Yeah, you, you're you absolutely right. I, I dodged it for two and a half years, and just a couple weeks ago, I finally got it, and um, not... Not nearly as bad as uh, some of my friends, but it's it's a real thing. There's no doubt about it. And the brain fog thing for me, not so much the headaches, but the, the concentration has been a little bit of a challenge.
1: If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus for less than a dollar a week. You can get six print and digital issues of Peloton Magazine, exclusive membership content from access all the premium content from the whole outside family including yoga journal backpacker ski outside magazine and many others and that's not all there are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events access to gaia gps and trail forks as well as virtual health and fitness courses it's 350 dollars of value in one 99 dollar annual subscription but if you head to value news.com forward slash outside plus and enter bjpod25 all one word lowercase at checkout you'll receive our special 25 percent discount and make a good deal great and now back to our chat with lisa
0: I'd I'd like to also speak a lot about, you know, the state of women's cycling because, you know, you've been in in this sport at the highest level for over a decade. From the outside looking in, it's easy for us to see that women's cycling is definitely on its way up. You know, better pay, better race calendar, more exposure. But I would love to hear your perspective or opinion on you know, the past when you, you know, first started, you know, maybe the current situation and what you think or think the UCI or the sport in general should implement for, you know, the end of your career and, and the next generation. Because, you know, seeing the women get more exposure has really been kind of like the highlight of these last couple of years. And just would like to hear it from from somebody that's it's been there, done that.
2: Yeah, it's true. I mean, we all see that, um, a lot is happening at the moment and over the last years. Um, I would say that I, I think I'm maybe one of the riders who experienced the really big improvement from its beginning. Um, cause yeah, I'm already, um, uh, yeah, more than 15 years in cycling and, Um, Of course, um, years ago, um, a lot of the riders, they were more like um, part-time cyclists and full-time something else. So um, it was obviously that um, a lot of riders had been been in a full-time job and then did cycling more as a hobby, I have to say. But still, they were professional cyclists, and I was always um, impressed by what power and um, how they could combine all this and still race and so do so amazing results. And um, and now, especially yeah, in the the last years. Uh, the teams and the whole infrastructure and everything um, got bigger and a lot changed and yeah you can you can I think the infrastructure is where you see it at first like there um, um, all the the teams now they have big campers or buses or um, and the the staff um, there is not one mechanic there is two or three and the Swanee so you see that. Already in the infrastructure, there is a big change and just more um, professional infrastructure around the riders. But of course, also, um, you saw the wages increase now also with the minimum salary and the UCI bringing up the World Tour and World Tour teams structure with a lot of benefits for the riders um, that um, make it so much easier to um, make the choice whether or not you're going to start a professional career or you're going to go full-time study something or you need to go to have a full-time job. Now your choice is, do I want to become a professional cyclist and is this, um, this is going to be my job? Mm-hmm. And I think that has been the, the biggest change in the past uh, combined with more and more races being shown on television, being, um, yeah, especially online. You can follow so much of our races now, and we get so much cool feedback whenever you see uh, women's races um, somewhere. And, um, yeah, back to your question about what would need to, or what I think where where we are at and where we want to go. I think that's not where women's cycling um, wants to be yet. Like I think that there is not not the end yet. That this is not where um we want to be and where we can be. I think it's still this improvement ahead of us. Um and a lot of it has of course to do with visibility, like um how they show how races of us are shown on, on television, how people can access um can have access to the pictures of the race. I think it's a, a big question also for sponsors to invest into women's cycling um, and a um, big part of the process that we are in the middle of right now, I would say.
1: Another fact I like about um, the modern women's cycling is that, for example, Lissy Danyang, she had a baby break and came back and is back at the highest possible level or um, Kristen Armstrong going on a baby break and coming back and winning another Olympic medal. So that's another part where I believe um, modern women cycling is a little better and easier, better organized. But um, Lisa, um, if you could choose, would you rather race Paris-Roubaix on the same day like the men and arrive an hour before them, an hour after them? Do you think it's better to have it on the same weekend or would you go, no, I want a woman's Paris-Roubaix, the weekend before the man's Roubaix or the Giro Italia to the Tour de France. Do you believe it is good for you, for the woman uh, to race alongside with the man or you want to have your own calendar or how, how do you see all that?
2: Um, it's a really good question because, and I've asked this question myself actually before um, because there is always this, if we race on the same day, um, who will watch the women's race if the men's race is already on television? But w- w- while we are racing, the crowds and the people there, and um, we, get, we get all of this life. So that's the cool thing about racing on the same day, is that all those people watching there and this atmosphere, um, yeah, like... At um, Flanders, for example, um, you, you get all those crowds and the goosebumps feeling because there's so many people, and um, you don't have that. I, I mean, it's hard to say. Like in, in some races, even if they're only women's races, um, we get to experience this. There is, um, um, especially the races in Great Britain, for example, this is people are crazy about women's cycling, and so. We we get the crowds for just us, and it's an amazing feeling. Um, so what I want to say is, if we if we race on the same day, we get the crowds, but maybe not the TV, um, because it's it, the, if the people watch the men's race, um, they probably don't watch the women's race on the television, or it's super hard with the broadcasting. Um, so. This is the advantage if you race the day before. You can follow the full women's race from start to finish and um, follow the men's race on the next day as well. So it's it's a really hard question to answer, but I have to say that for me personally, I really like to race on the same day as the men's Um, and uh, because of the atmosphere. And I think that... Honestly, it, it the last years when the races developed and started getting more connected to the men's races, um, I I always found it a positive development, I have to say.
1: want to add a quick question. Um, the problem with the visibility on television shouldn't be a problem because just look at all the technology we have these days. Look at us. I sit about 800 Mm -hmm. kilometers north of you. Bobby sits about 5,000 kilometers away from us. We both or we all three of us see each other in a crystal clear quality. So what TV could do, I believe fairly easy, is every now and then to cut the men's race and show 50 minutes woman race, go back. Fifty minutes men's race or if something dramatic happens at the men's at the women's race a crash on attack we cut straight to the action and then go back to the other race i believe that it should be um, just in terms of technology it should be easy to actually have a split screen and show both races on the same day if the people want
2: yeah and i i think this would be a great thing actually um but you you see also now um, sometimes when there are women's races and they get broadcasted, um, we don't have as many motor bikes, TV motors as we would need to show how exciting the race actually is. So often I I when I watch it back afterwards, I see that oh now the... Now this TV motorbike can only show the lone leader how she's riding on her way to the victory, while the exciting thing is happening in the group after. They are fighting. They are trying to get back. They are attacking. This is where the race is happening. The excitement is going. And so there is still a big... Or there is still this difference. And I think it's something, yeah, to work on, to improve, and something we would need to make it even better in the future. But, yeah... I'm a friend of process, and I think that it's um, if things are going in the right direction, it's 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 good and it has to be a stable way. Um, so I think it still needs a little bit more time, but the way is definitely the right direction.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's always uh, a way to improve it. If there's a will, there's a way. No doubt about that. Um, next kind of transition question. You know, on the men's side, we see youth being the focus as these young men are basically stepping into the World Tour Peloton and and winning very young. But in the women's races, it seems to be the older, more experienced riders that are, you know, succeeding, winning the biggest races. Um, Do you agree with that? And if so, what do you? What is your take on the reasons behind the more experienced, older riders winning in the women's peloton?
2: Um, well, I would say that in the big look, you're right. Like, um, it, there are always one or two super young, very talented and um, riders that break through very, very quickly and that... Um, have huge successes um yeah directly in their first years in the women's peloton but um i think that the fact that right now there is not the established under 23 class um and women's cycling got so much um bigger and the the, the quality like the strength of the riders and the the races itself. I mean, it's so hard. If you're not in shape, you can't just race. You 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 will get dropped, and uh, y- there are no longer races where you can just sit in and um, try to make it to the finish. And you know, it's the the level is so high that riders that come up from the under under nineteen, like from the juniors, um, they need some time to get used to the longer distance to the harder racing and I think, yeah, it's, it's quite normal or it would be crazy if it wasn't like this. Whereas with the men's, they have the under 23 and they have at least some years of getting used to um, um, the, yeah, the long distance and the different um, speed of racing.
1: And do you think there would be enough women in terms just of numbers, of quantity, to fill up a under-23 class? I mean, I guess you would need probably around 50 to 100 to, to, to make it worthwhile. So we have a peloton. You cannot have a, a class, a age group with 10 participants, Right. So yes. is there enough young women out there that you'd say, we have a peloton of 50 under 23 women at the world championships or at races like that?
2: Um, so I think that we're now, the period that we are now in is maybe a bit the the, the problem. We're not yet there where you could have the full under 23 race calendar plus um, a junior and um pro or yeah world tour um um class for the women so maybe not yet so it's a bit a, a difficult time um but um correct me if i'm wrong but i think that this year will be the first under 23 world championships in australia so this is um yeah one step Forward and they already had um, U23 European Championships where you could actually um, show your strength in in your group of um, younger riders. Um, So I think that this it still will need a bit more time. Um, We see now teams like Kenyon's Ram forming something like a second division team to which could become an under twenty three team, but. Yeah, um, I think it's not yet there probably for a full um, calendar of a whole year for under 23, but I think it's a future thing and we will see it happen sooner or later.
0: So glad you hit on that because <laughs> yes. that was definitely uh, what what I was going for because I, I firmly believe that when when you are facing a choice to go from the junior ranks go to college or basically warp speed it into the world tour peloton uh without that under 23 step i can see a lot of young women saying hey i'm not i I don't think i can make that step right now but you know i'm just gonna go to college and then once you go to college i have a daughter in college right now and i i know what they're up to i know what they're doing and a lot of the time you know sports kind of you know falls to the wayside a little bit so i'm super glad and you're absolutely correct this year is the first year that they're going to have the under 23 women's in the world championships and the time is now to start you're absolutely right that you know we've made this boat but like it's time to start building a new boat even if it's on the dry dock and then one day we push it out into the water and you know see if it floats or not but i i i absolutely think that that's that's key and um Thank you for you confirming that because, you know, some old guy, some old male guy having these sort of ideas is one thing, but yourself is, is, is totally different. Yeah,
2: I even, um, I even think that there might be enough um, under 23 women out there, but you, you want to give them a, a, a good platform, right? You want to give them a good team, a good infrastructure, um, plus the race calendar that has to um, yeah, has to work out for them. You, yeah, this is, I think, more the problem, more the question than are there enough riders?
0: Yeah, set people up for success, not for, you know, failure.
1: So now that we talk too much about cycling and how we can make it better or more exciting, um, what interests you or what excites you outside of cycling? Are you like reading or you a couch <laughs> potato or whatever? You like to play golf or... What is it, what do you do outside of training or gym work or stretching and having a healthy diet? What else do you do?
2: Yeah, um, I really um, like to yeah, spend time with my friends and family. Like, I love to uh, meet my family for just a barbecue dinner or something. This really, really makes me so happy. So family means uh, a lot to me um and other than that i'm pretty busy in a uh, project um building a house so this takes away almost all the free time right now um planning and um yeah trying to find the right people to get this project um done and um yeah i really enjoy it um but it's also uh yeah quite hard actually
1: in Germany we have a saying that goes like this the first house you build for your enemy the second house you build for a friend and only the third house you build for yourself (laughs)
2: <laughs> because you learn so much and it's so
1: true. You go, oh, what was I thinking about this or that? How do I put that window there? You had any experiences yeah. like that
2: already? Yeah, so true, so true. But um, how the prices are right now, I, don't, I hope I don't have oh. to build three houses. Um, so one will definitely be enough. But um, yeah, uh, uh, it's everything. Uh, do I need this here or not? Or... Uh, where do we put the window, of course, and all these questions that you have to answer and you will only know afterwards if you made them right or not. And there will always be the point where you're like, oh, if I would have known that, I would have done it completely different. I'm sure it will happen to us as well.
0: Big things on the horizon. I mean, um, building a house, kicking the, the coronavirus like you said, you've been in the sport for for over a decade, closer to fifteen years. Uh, you you achieved some amazing things: world record, Olympic champion. You know all these things. What would make the twenty twenty two season like a success for for you? Coming back from, you know this, this long coronavirus um, issue. What would what is your objectives? I guess for the year and um you know we we know that you and your coach are going to wrap your heads around it and and focus and build a a plan up to it but i'm i'm curious to hear what what you what what there's left for you to achieve uh
2: this is like you can probably imagine that after last year um winning all those titles um i sat down and i thought what do I even want to achieve next year? Like, what? What? There, no way it's going to be even better than this year, you know? This is how you think about it. You're like, what could be my goals and uh, what do I want to achieve? And it wasn't um, so hard to find um, this a big goal because um, this year, and so I'm from Bavaria and this year in Munich, there will be the European Games, um, a huge event, multi-sport event um, in Munich. And um, it it was my dream to race there in the Team Pursuit with the rainbow jersey. And um, yeah, of course, uh, um, I want to win a gold medal there with the Team Pursuit squad. And um, definitely those European Games of course, there's also road and uh, time trial, but it's, it's again, all in within 10 days, uh, all the different disciplines. So European Games this year will definitely be um, the highlight and the thing that I aim for the most.
1: What month, what date they are for our viewers and listeners?
2: Um, yeah, it's in August so yeah middle of august um, from 12 to 26 i believe um in munich and yeah it's gonna be a very exciting event for me in my home area uh, to race in the rainbow colors um in front of a home crowd it yeah to me it feels super special
0: that's awesome that's awesome well lisa Thank you so much for coming on our show today. I know it took us a while to to rearrange everybody's schedules, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you as our guest today.
2: Yeah, thank you as well. Uh, Yeah, I really, really like to be here. Thank you very much.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Again, huge thank you to Lisa for being
1: our guest. Thanks a million for listening. And please give us a five-star review and share us with your cycling friends.
0: The show was a News production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne and this episode was edited by Tim Mosa.
1: Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. And if you enjoyed this chat with Lisa, why not listen to our chats with Elisa Balsamo, Annemiek van Fleuten, or Lissy